are listening to Chugga Talk with Ryan Murphy, a podcast by Pull Across Made Simple. Hello friends, this episode is brought to you by Saucy Farm. Located in Wiggins, Mississippi, they're the premier Australian stock horse stud in North America. Proudly standing are Ballandown Zorro, Hayden Satellite, and Stonebrook Finno. Ballandown Zorro has fresh cooled semen with a live full guarantee. Hayden Satellite and Stonebrook Finno have a limited supply of frozen semen. Ballandown Zorro offspring have proven time and time again that athleticism, endurance, speed, and intelligence are just a few of the qualities his offspring possess on their way to close to 200 best playing pony awards. Zorro offspring are also exceptional in hunter jumper and inventing discipline. Hayden Satellite comes from the famous Hayden Horse Stud in Australia and is currently proving himself on the polo cross field. Satellite offspring were awarded best playing horse in international test matches in 2019 and his offspring have now started to make a name for themselves in the jumping arena. Stonebrook Finno is the premier sire in Australia for polo cross. Saucy Farm is near and dear to my heart. By purchasing our two stallions two years ago, Karen and Charles have carried on the legacy of my family and the hard work that my mother put into bringing the Australian stock horses to the United States for the sport of polo cross. All four of my horses are a result of that breeding program, and you just can't go wrong. Saucy Farm and Australian stock horses, the breed for every need. You can find them on Facebook or call 228-263-0930. Hi, this is Dana Deemer. I and my family own Keystone Silhouette. She's a 15-year-old black Australian stock horse first cross by Ballandown Zorro out of an Oldenburg mare called Work of Art, who is from the old World Cup Oldenburg line. Stella came to us as a four-year-old to be trained and sold, and early on did some low-level eventing and was very, very successful at it. Then my son turned his sights to playing polo cross on her, and she accrued numerous best horse awards as she moved up the levels. She was a member of the 2013 A-grade championship team from Carolina Polo Cross, and again in 2016, she was a member of the national championship winning B-grade team, which was a mixed team. Since that time, my son has turned his sights back into eventing again and has been slowly bringing her along up through the levels. She's once again consistently in the ribbons and is currently competing at uh, USEA training level which is jumping a meter and uh, performing a first to second level dressage test. She's been very very successful at that. I would say the thing that she brings to the table is her incredible athleticism. She has the best footwork coming up to a jump of uh, any horse that I've seen in a long time. She's bold cross country, she's bold in stadium, and has been a real pleasure to have in our family. On this episode of Chucka Talk, you'll meet Sarah and Charlie Grill. Along with special co-host Leslie Plant, we discuss the enormous breeding operation that produced 24 horses for the World Cup in 2019. We discuss the greatest game of Charlie's life, the verdict on gray horses, and much, much more. Here on Chugga Talk, the goal is to shrink the pull across world by connecting people together, and most importantly, to provide education by interviewing players from all over the world. So listen closely and enjoy. See, hi. <gasps> 
Hi, oh my God, how are you? Lucy Grills. How are you going? Excellent, how are you? Great. Hello, Leslie. Well, hello. How is everyone? Good, good. Cheers. The brawn and the brains over there. <laughs> you got that right? Yeah. You would know that. <laughs> Outfit for you guys. That's impressive, Leslie. Yeah. It's that. They don't make these. This is velvet. They don't make these anymore. They don't make velvet Elvis anymore either. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. This is going to be fun. It's our pleasure. I see you've got Bundy there. It's a bit early for us. Is it? Really? <laughs> it is really because we've got mares to deal with later. I have to do it in solidarity. I can actually get it from Calgary where Leslie lives. She lives across the country further north, and that's the only place to get it on this continent. You know, if not. you can't fight on that stuff, you're a coward. <laughs> 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 I said in the last podcast how anytime I was at the bar in, in Australia, give these little cups, rum and coke, and most of it would end up on my shirt. And it would just be soaked by the end of the my shirt of my jacket. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone there, I don't think. I'm not? No. No, no. I got banned from it about 24 years ago. I'm pretty so, sure I saw you knock back a couple last year, Charlie. No, they might have been Scotch, not Bundaberg. Uh, classy. <laughs> Keep it classy. What time are you at? It's uh, 8 o'clock here. 6 o'clock her time, 8 o'clock here. Okay. Good. What are you up to in the middle of the day on, on a Sunday? Well, we had grand final. We had the AFL grand final last night. We've got the NRL grand final tonight, and mm. we've... Busily trying to breed mares because it's that time of the year here, following mares. Yeah, we've also got a meeting this afternoon, so it's busy as. So you were just at AGM for the Stock Horse Society? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had that last weekend. Yeah. I'm a member. Were there any big decisions made or is there anything going on? Um, the inclusion of the Heritage Stock Horse Stud Book. That was a big thing that went through unanimously. So now we legitimately have our own breed to say yeah so that was very big step yeah well i thought it was important that we had the grills on here at the perfect <laughs> trifecta between the breeding the playing and the breeding of the horses and the children let's get real <laughs> to have you guys on here the breeding the horses and the polo cross there's so many charlie stories and so many sarah stories that we might be here for 11 years <laughs> all i can say is you've got to get lucky sometimes huh <laughs> Luck is where opportunity and preparation meet. You've created Isn't your own that, luck. Yes, yes, yes. I've got more of those because I'm a coach. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're both national coaches, right? We both coached uh, our state teams, yeah, and then Charlie was lucky enough to meet Leslie and coach Canada at the World Cup in 2007, so that was pretty cool. Much to their horrification, I'm sure. I'm not sure Leslie was so happy with me at some of that time, but anyway. <laughs> I just remember how how much fun it was and how excited they were to be there and how we just embraced the whole thing as a as a unit i thought it was awesome it was really good and we put it fair up your ass <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I always talk about it unfortunately i talk about how we almost lost to you guys in the yeah can we talk about how we almost beat them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just remember that that one. What was his name? The, the young guy? Chris Miller. Oh, he yeah. was great. That three out the back was beating me. What was his, what was his name? Um, Greenslate. Bruce. Yeah. Bruce. Oh, God. He's a tough man, Bruce. <laughs> Sorry. Tough as nails. She is on the suit. <laughs> He's got a whole esky back here. Look. Yeah, right. Show, show Charlie. Send your thing around so we can see it. He missed it. Look, oh, my gosh. Good on you. This is a three-stubby interview, isn't it? Okay. 
Well, it's nearly 12 o'clock. Well, well, it was supposed to be really important. We had so many good stories. Like, I think probably one of the highlights for Charlie, I'm sure, and he would be horrified, is us arriving in the morning of trying to go and play in a tournament the first weekend of the World, like before the World Cup and before the World Cup training. I don't know what happened, but we ended up interviewing for something and telling them that we were Charlie's angels. <laughs> do you remember yes. that, Charlie? I do. <laughs> Charlie was, was sitting over at his float, killing himself laughing, with us going, come over here. That's Charlie right there. And I think that, needless to say, I'm sure that the interview didn't air because I think they thought we were special needs. <laughs> <laughs> and they hadn't even seen you play. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It only got worse from there. Nah. You you had the whitest whites though of any player at that tournament. You had some super white whites. Like I remember that. I had. No, I'm just kidding. That's I probably did I, have. Although actually, I don't think anything was white after that dust bowl. I think it was just it was filthy. <laughs> <laughs> it was very very dirty. I'd never seen anything like it. Then, We're not we used to playing play on that. We're spoiled. We're not used to playing on that. We play in grass, so of course we weren't used to that. So when the ball drops to the ground and you can't even see it, and you can't see anything from the horse's chest down, that's interesting and unique playing. Down in your climate, is it pretty muddy? The rest of New South Wales, I just remember playing in a lot of mud. Yeah, well, normally, normally as you know, our season's in the winter and, and we do get a bit of mud, but um, as you all know, that the, the drought has sort of put mm. Into that for the last probably three or four seasons, mm. and this year we probably would have had a bit of mud, but of course COVID shut everything down, so mm. that sort of stopped all. And, and Jim actually just had this lovely idea of trying to get a Friday night fun chuckers happening, and the first night was supposed to be last Friday, and I think we probably had 25 mil of rain at about four o'clock in the afternoon, and I and it went all night, and I took a video of the Polacrisville <laughs> last night, and it was actually three quarters underwater. So oh my yeah. gosh. So, <laughs> No, no Friday night fun chuckers this week, but maybe next week. Yeah. <laughs> so you were so close to playing. So yeah. close, Abbott, so close. Abbott had his horses lighted on the truck. We pulled the pin. So. I was excited to see that advertisement yeah. that you guys were doing Friday night chuckers. Yeah, well, and a lot of people are really keen because everyone wants to do something and there's nothing going on. They've started a little bit of camp drafting down our area, but no polo cross. New South Wales is actually starting a coaching thing in a couple of weeks at Harden, but... We just thought for the people around here that have got horses in and just do some fun chuckers in a Friday afternoon. It, um, we have daylight savings, so, you know, we can play up until 8 o'clock, which probably means not much to you. You can play till 11 p.m. I remember that when we were there. That was yeah. awesome. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Friday night sort of finishes early enough, but it's good. So you run cattle. You have 4,000 acres to maintain. How many horses right now are on that property? She <laughs> won't tell you while I'm sitting here. <laughs> 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 because we do a lot of embryo transfer, we have to run a lot of recipient mares. We have roughly 200 of them. And bearing in mind that there's about 80 or 90 of them out presently about to drop with foals. So there's currently about 120 empty recipient mares here. And then we have, with all of our stock horse mares going from probably the oldest, I'm going to say, is Ravers, who's the, the old matron who's now 22, down to our Billy Foles that we just weaned, so our yearlings. We've probably got about 75 of those, mm. plus other incidentals, yeah. The embryo transfer recipients, they don't necessarily have to be well-bred. They're just good mares. Yeah, yeah. We, we source a lot of them from standard breads. They are exceptionally good milkers, mothers, um, usually very biddable, but they're also very protective. So... Mm. 
they can be a little bit, they like to pinch a foal every now and again. So you've got to be watching them when uh, mares are foaling. Because sometimes a mare that's already foaled will then steal another one as well, which is a little bit, you know, they're just very maternal. So they make very good mothers. Yeah. We actually run them pretty well like cattle. They run in, they go up a race, hold them at the front of the race, straight in, scan them out the other side. If they play up, they find another destiny pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I have to ask. So your, your good playing mares never end up being brood mares, right? You just, you don't have to ever do that. They just keep playing. They just keep playing, that's right. And oh, if they're really good, really good mares like Ravers, even though she's been retired since 2016, we still embryo her for a few reasons. Like two Saturdays ago, we lost a recipient mare that was carrying a filly foal that was out of percussion. And we were all very upset with the whole deal. But then we sort of thought, well, that could have been percussion. You, you're lucky enough that we still have percussion to continue. That's the other reason with those good ones, that it's probably fair to keep breeding them with embryo transfer rather than letting them have a natural foal. When I was younger, my, my mother started breeding the stock horses, brought over a bow and down Zorro. Back in those days, she was doing embryo transfers. And at that time, we only had two playing horses. <laughs> she actually bred through embryo transfer one of our mares, Chuleta, this old polo mare, she didn't tell us because it was the only mare that was available at the time. So a couple months later, she breaks us the news. Obviously, you know, we can't complain about it then. And she gets her way. <laughs> ends up being, <laughs> ends up being a, a really good horse. I mean, she was right in the end, but it really pissed us off. I mean, our family didn't fight very often, but this was like serious. <laughs> Yeah. You'd have just had 200 and then you would have been fine. I know. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. It's not all that easy. The discussions of the horses that go in the sale are very, well, nearly family feud sometimes. Yeah. I seem to lose a fair bit, but Jim and Leslie like to keep what they like. And, and it's about them, I suppose, really. That's, that's why we do breed them. What are you looking for on the keeper? Because you have a lot of options. You both have different opinions. Oh, all four of us have different opinions. And I mean, from my perspective, I like to make sure that we don't lose a whole line of mares. I want to keep something that we don't have already have. So as soon as we get a, a filly that we've already got one of, then potentially that's, we want to sell it. Or I want, you know, we've got one, so we don't need to do it again and we can sell that one. And But then, you know, Lucy will go, oh, but I really like that one. I broke it in and it's like this. And Jim goes, but I want that one too. And then I just leave it to them to sort of work out which is which. But early on, like probably 15 years, we've lost some complete mare lines and and we did buy a mare back called Candy Girl who played for the US in the last World Cup. Um, Catlina played her and she came from a mare that we sold and we lost that whole family from. So we've now bred with her and got some very nice fillies out of her. So that, that was a good thing to get back. And old, old breeding too. What, yeah, yeah. Good old tough polypress. What can you say was the start of the line for you? In 1974, my mum started the stud, but she probably bought these, uh, and it was mainly thoroughbred mares back in, in the mid-60s, and she was breeding them just to an infused quarter horse called Redford Quarter Inch. And one of these foals was a mare called Cadence, and I was only very, very small at the time, and I can remember that this mare was very tough, and she got sent to the breaker three times, and they never really got her. And, you know, in my mother's wisdom, well, if you can't ride it, you might as well breed with it. So <laughs> she bred with it, which is probably not what we do these days, but she bred with it, and, and her first foal was this horse called Rana that we sold to a, a local 
family and they did everything with this horse, played polo cross on it on the weekends, they show jumped it, they novelty event. It nearly went eight days a week, non-stop competition horse and it was great. We got this filly foal, her name was Cadence, couldn't do it. So we bred with her and she had this mare called Tune, which, oh God, Tune did. She played in two World Cups, I think four nationals. Then she's produced percussion and off-key. And that line is very, very tough. So it goes a long way back. And it just shows that sometimes you get lucky because potentially Cadence shouldn't have been bred with at all. But she bred two horses that turned out to be very... Uh, well, they're the backbone of what we do now. Yeah, yeah. between her and, and Ravers, they've sort of set us up. Yeah. Well, Ravers is the best mare that I've ever ridden and played by a long way. And Tune is the toughest mare that I've ever had anything to do with. So, says a lot. like when I broke Tune in, I thought I did a pretty good job on her. And I thought she was going pretty good. And Gerald was there. He was here. And Gerald, um, Gerald O'Brien. And I went to do a job on her. And, and he said, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to go and move some heifers from up inside the hill there. He said, well, bring that thing back in here and we'll finish breaking it in first. And, and uh, she, was, she was very tough, but... When you played that mare, Saturday morning you'd think that she wasn't going that good. You know, you'd think you'd be, you'd be, she was just average. But by Sunday afternoon, she was getting better and they were getting worse. And, and the toughness just came out there. And the toughness comes out in, um, in percussion. You know, you go to nationals, you just see that mare. By the time Sunday comes, she usually is on song, ready to go. You, sometimes it's very hard to saddle her between chuckers. Like, she's... She's that keen and that, and, and she's just feeling the mean bucks. She's, she's just ready to go, done. Nationals, how many games would you play? So she's played men's polo across the nationals and the last, well, the last four nationals is I think the most it was always five teams. So there was four games in the final, so five games. I think the last nationals was only four games, but the last games, uh, eight chucker game. She handles playing every, like all four chuckers without any, worries at all so with the seven man teams they're usually someone spelling and sitting off but she, she can handle it pretty well she's really motoring by the end yeah that doesn't happen very often does it i mean playing all four probably two members of the team will yeah or three but yeah usually and someone will sit they'll off usually be those older horses like i think the first time abbott played her she'd never actually thrown a goal in a competition and his mare got hurt Abbott took her and played her at the Warwick Nationals. I think she sat for a couple of that one, but she didn't sit at Darwin and she didn't sit in Western Australia. She didn't sit in Albury. She didn't sit in Albury, so. Yeah. And she can go back and play too. She, she started as a three-mare, but the way she throws goals. Yeah, so Lucy, was, Lucy had it in her, like, the horses that they were preparing for the World Cup. We had her as a girls' horse, and Lucy was setting her up to play at the back. Yeah, she, I mean, she can she can do anything. I'd like to talk about the World Cup because you had thirty three horses in that, right? Well, we, we prepared <laughs> on some like stupid, right? Twenty three or four, I think, that were actually World Cup bound. Might have been at Tadmore, but we also had players playing in the in the interstate games up there and some spare ones. So we did we did float up thirty four horses. I think 23 or 4 now. There was a couple of vetted out ones. So, yeah, there was still a lot. Leading up to that, some days we had 42 to work and it was pretty busy, yeah. Busy? Yeah. So our kids had to go to New Zealand with the train thing. Anyway, Sarah said to me, yeah, Sarah said we need to get up and work those horses early in the morning. So we went down there. Bearing in mind this is summer, so it's flipping hot. Yeah, so we're down there early and we rode until our ass was raw nearly <laughs> and we got to the last two sets i think to go and so we're going to have some lunch i said no way we're going to finish these and then we're going to have some lunch and we're not shifting 
<laughs> oh my gosh. In, Ar- in, in Argentina with those polo estates and where they have the polo, there's just like 14 year olds running these horses around and exercising them. So how many are on your team dealing with this many horses and keeping them going? So for that, we actually put out a thing on Facebook and asked if there was some people to help because the crew we had at home was obviously um, Charlie and myself, Lucy and Jim, Katie, who's Jim's partner, and Matt Davison. And they were our crew and we had Boz, which is Matt's brother. So that was our sort of pit crew all the way through. And then we had Keely McGrath come from Queensland, Paul McGrath's daughter. She came in another girl from Victoria, Lauren Harding, and that was the, the main people that we yeah. had. And then odd weekends or what, it was just pe- some club people would come and they would just help out, which was great because, oh, man, you got sick of doing laps, I can tell you. <laughs> you probably saw the photo that Shannon Gilson took of the whole lot. And, yeah, yep. there was a few, few people there, but the main three were there. So did you sell a few of them at World Cup? No, no. we tend to try and sell all of our horses at our sale in January. We just think that it's better that everybody knows that all of the horses that are going through the sale are the, we're not selling out odd ones here and there that are not making the sale or, are, you know, we're selling the dud ones at the sale, so to speak. Our sale is a production sale. It has all of the best horses that we can produce. I mean, we keep them, but we keep them to play and to breed, but that's ongoing. So there's all of the horses that go in there, we're very, very happy. So tell us about that sale. When I was talking to Cameron Neb about the, the live uh, stud fee auction that just happened that you donated to, he said that you were having the sale. Is there anything else going alongside it, playing or anything, or is it just the sale? Yeah, no, we're hoping to have a polo cross incentive. Now, I mean, Cameron's initiative would have been the first polo cross incentive, and then obviously COVID put a stop to it. But we're planning to do one, which is a different concept to the one that they're putting on in Inverell, which is great. Ours is going to be based upon all of the horses that have gone through the sale so we don't we're not the sole vendor at our sale there's there's many other outside vendors and a lot of those horses have gone into polo cross and camp drafting and other other disciplines so we're going to run a polo cross competition at the sale that is for only to horses that are in the teens have come from that sale or have been sold or bought or acquired as and i say that because we lease some horses People can ride those horses if they've got a PMB on them or they've been purchased through the sale from another vendor, they can play in the Polacross teams. And we're also going to run a camp draft as well. So there's two um, disciplines that will be represented and that'll happen the day before the the sale this time. Oh, we're we're hoping that that's what will happen. We've just got to tidy up a few loose ends, but that's the... The general scheme and there's a lot of interest in it yeah we've we've got nearly six teams of of horses which would be pretty much capping everything that would have been sold through there so that's really good there's a lot of interest in it when you're starting a, a, a pull across horse what what age do you back them i just like to know your progression through hitting the field our foaling goes on for a long time so we do the embryos from sort of the middle of october through till the middle of february so that's a, a long span of following as you can understand but we generally wean them all in the middle of august and then we would be breaking them in we usually break them in the following october or well, eight you know so when they're anywhere from 24 months down to probably 17 months even the youngest one but they all get done at the same time um happens over about a week to 10 days pretty intensive and then they usually go out for up to 12 months they come back in as three-year-olds and do little short stints but you might come back in bit of stitchy or yeah odd ones might come back was that last weekend yeah yeah Yeah, it was a big week yeah we've only just (laughs) 
only just finished breaking in 18, I think we did, in seven days. So that was pretty full on, yeah. And, and that sounds a lot and it sounds... But we find that if, if we don't just set that 10 days aside to do it, we're breaking in for six months and they don't get done properly. And they're herd animals. They like to be in groups. And I think that's why our horses actually... You know, they come around really quick because it's there might be four horses in the roundyard being ridden for their second and third rides. And after seven days, those horses go out in a group ride with as many other people as we can get on that last two days to ride with them, go down through the creek, up the hill, into the bush, come back. And, and if they pretty well do everything right, they go to the paddock for 12 months. So there's a story about, can you see the photo in the background behind yep. me of that mare? Yep. Well, that's a mare, that's Jimmy's mare called Lipstick. I broke her in, she went out for 12 months and my oldest brother came down and Sarah and him were standing on the hill and we went down the back and there was some heifers mixed up with some cows. So we cut the cows out out of the heifers. One of these heifers run up the fence and, and I thought, well, I'll find out how good you are. So I let her go and just saw this thing. I got to its eye and dead set this heifer just skidded to a halt and the mare just skidded to a halt and stepped around, faced the heifer up, the heifer turned back down the fence. I give her a pat and walked back, went right, like right to my brother and he said, God, that mare goes pretty good. And I said, yeah. And he said, how much work she done? I said, if I told you, you would tell me that I was lying. And I said that she's had probably 10 or 12 rides ever. And he goes, get out of town. That's not quite what he said. Um, <laughs> anyway, and that mare had dead set, only had those 10 or 12 rides, but she was probably at the top of the tree too. She was a, she was a, she's a great mare. Who's doing the groundwork and, and backing and, and what's that process? Because you say it happens over 10 days. Everybody does yeah. pretty well their own. Yeah, it's a team effort. So we, we have two smaller round yards and a bigger round yard and an arena and they all get started the same way. And there's Lucy and Jim and Matt and Katie, Charlie not so much since he had his stack last summer. They just do them all together all at once and they just share and help each other and, and just do the whole lot all at once. Yeah, so they all start through, you know, hobbles and being mouthed and then, yeah, backed and Jimmy and Matt probably doing most of the first rides. Lucy rides her own ones first up, but Jimmy obviously for obvious reason gets on the ones that might be a bit stitchy or a bit you know, quicker. Yeah. And then they head to the arena with multiple horses. Our arena is 70 by 40 metres so they can get a fever to pace up and, and they have a... We can put rackets on them and they're breaking in, but we don't really? usually. Yeah, we're just too busy doing them, all of the other stuff. Because they're breaking in in such a big group, they seem to... It just seems to be a progression through the system and by the time you get to the third or fourth day, everybody knows their job. The first day is a bit slow, you know, like you're catching horses. And the other thing with our horses is really they don't get handled much except for being drenched. And every time they get drenched, they go through the crush, get their manes cut off. No leading, no handling unless actually something happens to those horses in that 12 or 18 months. As in, as in an injury and we have to treat them. Uh, yeah. yeah. Then, then we'll handle them. And that's probably really mainly, it's a time thing. Um, it does take a bit longer those first two days. If we had the time now, we probably would just teach those horses to lead a little bit. They seem to come off that first and second day pretty tough. And then they just turn the corner and, and get in the system of things and away they go. I will say that our horses are broken in for speed, not like Sarah and I used to do it years ago. You know, we used to poke horses around for a long time and, you know, spend six months on them. That's just, no one can do that anymore. So... We in conjunction with Gerald, and Gerald's one of the best horsemen I've ever come across in my life. His timing with horses is so good. He can read horses. Matt Davidson's getting very close. Jim's, Jim's learning a lot about it. Lucy's always sort of had that timing. Else know how to go fast before they know how to go slow. And that's that's us about to what we used to do. Now, Charlie, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Do you still think that grey horses smell? They do. 
<laughs> Have you lost all your senses? You need to give the grog up. <laughs> that was another story at the World Cup. And I was sure, again, we had just arrived after this horrible trip. This was before the interview, and we told them that we were the Charlie's Angels. So it wasn't much better than Charlie sitting there telling us that gray horses smell. He gets all his friends around. Well, of course they smell. And the three of us are standing there thinking, smell like what? So Charlie takes us over and makes us smell all his horses, where I'm still to this day sure he was just killing himself laughing because I'm thinking I have told every person and guess what they all smell the horse too because now they want to know if they actually smell I think it's a special gift that Charlie has that he can smell the gray horse it's kept you on your toes all this time <laughs> yeah I just think it never goes away I'd lose sleep over it Charlie Canadians are so sweet and they're so nice, but they're also apparently very gullible. And wild and crazy. Right? It's like trying to herd cats on fire. Do you have a preference? Do you try to avoid greys or chestnuts? I mean, do you? Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you would, you'd all know the guy I'm going to talk about. Doug, Dougie Webb used to always say he's never seen a good, never seen a bad grey and never seen a good cream anyway. As in a buckskin. As in a buckskin. Yeah. And that was just, Doug loves his greys, and I don't like them that much. And <laughs> I do like buckskins, and I've had a couple of good buckskins. Anyway, at the World Cup, I said to him, I said, how's the grey going now against the buckskin, the gym rat? <laughs> 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 anyway, he did submit. He did say, yes, I've seen one. I don't mind what colour they are. We've got a, we stand a buckskin, I mean, sorry, a, a grey stadium of Trish Jones's from WA Brookie Pinup. So we've got some, yeah, we've got some grey ones coming through. They're young ones at the moment. They'll be, yeah, hopefully you'll see them on the field. Don't let Charlie near them. And no, no, he won't, he won't go near them. He, he smells too, especially now. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's cut his leg bad. <laughs> when I went to WA in 2010, I stayed with uh, Trish and Lyle. They're phenomenal horse people. Legends. Yeah, super legends. I actually tried to get them on the podcast. They didn't respond to my Facebook message. I don't know. If, I don't know if they're avoiding me or if they don't understand technology. <laughs> I don't okay. know. Go for, go for the latter one. The what? Go for the latter one. They're oh. not avoiding me. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, this lot have had me going since you obviously organised it with Sarah, that I was going to be on it by myself. So I've been actually shitting bricks for the last three days, <laughs> thinking what I was going to say. We got him, Leslie. We got him. <laughs> Anyway, you're lucky, Leslie, because I was just going to pick on you. <laughs> I'll shut up. I'll shut up. Go ahead. Yeah. Ron was telling me not to be behaved. I'm thinking, oh, my God, Sarah and Charlie have both seen me on my absolute worst behavior. Yeah. Well, maybe not my very worst behavior, <laughs> but pretty damn We love you, Leslie. Yeah. We love yeah. you always. You just fit in. Yeah. <laughs> We took, when they were here, the first time they came here, we took them out, remember, to the Stampede? Yeah, I remember. We went on the pub crawl. Do you remember that, Charlie? <laughs> That's a highlight of my life. Is it? <laughs> when I take yeah. people out on the Stampede tour, it's a highlight of most of their lives. Warwick Frazier said exactly the same thing. I took him to Cowboys and his eyes looked like this. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so Charlie that, got to see you better. The girls were in their velvet underpants running around doing shooters and stuff, trays of shooters and stuff. Yep, it was pretty fun. You didn't tell me about that, Leslie. You know, I went out with <laughs> you Charlie. Charlie, no, I wasn't there. Yes, I you were. No, I no, wasn't. She I, went with, I went Jack. She I took the Jack. two kids. Yeah. 
I didn't know about these velvet underpants. Oh, there was lots of them. You shouldn't miss them. There was a lot of them. <laughs> I will tell you that the claim to fame during the Calgary Stampede, my niece used to come and she would, first time she had ever come, she says to me, she's trying on all these outfits and trying to decide what to wear. I said, oh my goodness, seriously, Nikki, it doesn't matter what you wear. If you want to wear your underpants on the outside of your pants, if you don't want to wear underpants, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter what you wear during the stampede, anything goes. And boy, it really does. Like there's people with clothes on, people with clothes off, people with half their clothes on, it doesn't even matter. So of course we went on a pub crawl and we toured all these pubs and everybody on the bus was like this. <laughs> and that's just normal. <laughs> Susie Rose was here this morning. She, she says- No like way! A, yeah, she came to drop a mare off and she's just left like, Literally, when we walked in here, she's left. And I was talking oh, to her. Oh, why didn't she stay on? You should have had her stay on. Yeah. What was that whole crew? That was the two of you and Susie and who else? That was the President's Eight came to yeah. pound us into the ground. The President's Eight? Week. Who are the eight? Charlie will have to name them for us. <laughs> Simon Rafferty, Stu Maroney. Damien. Damien Hall. Hall. Yeah. yeah. And then there was another older guy. Then there was Susie, Benita, Belinda Helen. Oh. Was the other fellow's name Graham? No, that was a great trip, really. Like, that was the best trip. Yeah, that's the, the best. Trip. That's the best trip I've ever been on. Do you remember Jimmy having his eleventh birthday at the Stampede? Like that was awesome. Mm. <laughs> yeah, oh my it gosh, it was awesome. Oh, how long ago would that have been? That would have been two thousand six, five. Oh man, five. Yeah. And then we yeah. went down to uh, Wyoming to Thea Cross's place. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. We lost a horse down there. Yeah. Sold a yeah. horse and lost yeah. a horse. That wasn't so good. <laughs> it wasn't so good, but I have to tell you, the story is just priceless because I'm trying to get hold of the person whose horse we lost. And I was praying to all that was holy that it wasn't one of our horses because I was trying to get ready to go on to the next chukka. And so I came around this wind fence and I can see everybody standing around thinking, oh, no, no, no. And I know we have to phone the person whose horse that we lost because we were borrowing it. And so we had to phone. So I keep trying to phone. I'm trying to get Charlie to come up because I figured Charlie would just smooth waters a little bit. Of course, I get a hold of the person. I'm thinking, oh, my God. I'm like, here, Charlie wants to talk to you. And Charlie gets on the phone and all I hear is, and I We'll never forget this as long as I live. Well, she's not so fast anymore, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, that does sum it up. There's no doubt of that. <laughs> it was a shame. I, do, I, I often think about that. You know, if it's one of your own, it's, it's terrible. It was terrible. It was like gutted a whole lot of us, really. But yeah. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Charlie just skates away from that, and I'm called the horse killer for about three years after that. There's, That's um, what Dave called me. There's an old saying, though. I know, wasn't that, even riding it. There's an old saying you got to remember that if you have livestock, you're going to have dead stock too. So, unfortunately, that that's, is true. that's what happens. So there's a blaring question here. 4,000 acres, 200 horses. So what happens? What do you do with them if uh, you lose one? Is there a place to, is there a place to take them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah we've the, got a couple of things. Yeah, the good ones, the very precious ones we bury. Mm. And uh, they're obviously nicely placed. A couple of them have placed. Jimmy's got a pretty nice polo cross field now it's down by the creek and they are actually yeah looking over the polo cross field oh, and then nice. and then we've got some other nice hill views for the other ones 
Yeah. Mm, that's nice. Mm. That is. Nice. So, um, yeah, we do the very special ones. We bury them standing up, which mm. is quite hard to do. And we take a lot of tail out of them. And yeah, mm. as you know, it's just not very easy. We got to cheer this up. So <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> let's talk about the shootout. Uh, Leslie told me this was quite a thing that, that happened. The shootout. Oh, the Southern 50 you're talking oh. about? Yeah, tell me about that. Well, that's the second best thing I've done in my life. <sighs> Yeah, that, that, they, that, these guys in Victoria came up with this concept. It was the first money tournament in Australia and it was a $2,000 entry and we were thinking, oh, yeah. And then I was speaking to the kids and they went, oh, we could do that, couldn't we? I was like, do you think? And then at the end we went, oh, yeah, let's have a go. It's only $2,000. Uh, and, um, <laughs> and, and money was tight then too. Yeah, and, and then we thought, oh, look, they've got, oh we've got four grillses already. Oh, let's make it a team of grillsers. So we just thought that it'd be fun to enter with six grillsers and, and all on our horses, which is what we did. Yeah, we went down there with absolutely no idea that we could win it. It was just a part of being there. It was because, promotion. Yeah, it was, well, it was just a part of being there and enjoying it. and Having fun with, yeah. with people you love to play with and, and horses you love to ride. Yeah, and it, yeah it, was, it was good. It was very tough. It was a lot of hard, very hard polo across in a very short amount of time. Um, it did take a lot out of the horses, mm. a lot more than we actually thought because early in our season they weren't really match, match fit. And uh, yeah, it took them a little while to get over it. But it, the whole thing was, yeah, pretty special as a family tum horse thing. Yeah, so the, the very first game, they seeded the teams and we played the top. Oh and I think we beat them by 11 goals or something. And we came off and I remember my nephew, Ben, laying on the trailer, drinking a Bundaberg run and saying, well, we can go home now. We've just, we've done everything we've needed to do this weekend. I said, no, nah, not quite, mate. Let's keep going. <laughs> and you know, that was just one part of it. Probably the thing that really makes my spine shiver is, is going out against probably some of the best players in the country then, which was Hayden Will. Lance, being able to play between my two kids. And I'll never forget going on to play in the last game. In the last chucker. Jim looks under his arm at me like this. So I had two goals down going on to the last chucker. So I was playing with Jim and Lucy. Jim was my one, Lucy was my three. And I was doing the two thing, which I probably do as good as I can. Anyway, he looks at me and he said, Dad, I want you to get me two balls and we win this. And I'm thinking, here he is, only just 17, thinking he's going to go out here and I've got to get him two balls and we're three behind and he's got a plan to win this game. And I thought, well, okay, I'm going to try very hard to get the two balls. I've got the two balls and I think we won by two. By two. Um, but Lucy, Lucy was exceptional there because she played in a men's co- – well, it wasn't. It was open. But, like I said, she was riding the best horse that's, that I've ever thrown a leg over and quite a few guys. Ross Turnbull said to me the other day that she sits up the top of the tree of what, it, what she's ever seen. So, and even Daryl Smith said once that, you know, that's, the mare is so good, that's why Lucy can compete in that open competition. So good on it. That's a whole other story. You talk about her. Well, I'll tell you, watching that competition from over here, I couldn't believe it. I already knew you guys were going to win it. I already knew it. I just, <laughs> it was awesome. I would have loved to have watched that. Oh, my God. But that was before we could watch it. Like, the World Cup last year, being there was excellent. But I would have loved to have been at that Southern 50 for sure because I could yep. not believe it. I told everybody I'd advertised it everywhere. Oh my God, the girls are playing in this competition. And we just assumed that you'd win it and you did. It was just like, Psh, of course. I wish you had to let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what if I spooked you? 
<laughs> yeah. Nah, we had it like Abbott played really well there, and and the other two guys, the guy very underrated player is Matt Grills, and the other underrated player would be Ben Grills too. Like they're they're players within in their own right. You get them on the right horse, and they can play the game. Okay, so what was the team? It was three of you, Abbott. And Abbott, ben. Abbott was the one. Matt was the two. Matt was the two, and, and Ben was the yeah, three. Yeah. And your section played against Lance, Will. No, that was a separate team. Lance oh, was okay. in another team altogether. Yeah. But, um, no. Bernie and Hayden and Will and Pat French were all Pat in one team. Yeah. That's the team we played in the final. Bernie and Smith and Hayden Bennett. Oh, um, Bronson, Bronson Macklin Shaw. Uh, oh, Kyle Newton, was it? Yeah. Maybe? Yeah. yeah. It was fun. It was oh, great. Like being capped at 50 points when you put in your likes of Will and Hayden and Bernie, it means that then you have to pick a few lower great pointed players to so you don't get over your 50 points. At that stage, Jim and Lucy weren't weren't that high. So our, our team was probably levelled out with Abbott up higher and all the others were sort of sitting on sevens. So it sort of, it just worked. Yeah, I was, was still a seven. I haven't been that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's called sandbagging here in the United States. <laughs> yeah, there's actually a term for it. <laughs> what year was that? 2013. So Jimmy is and now. Not done it ever since, eh? 25, 26. Okay. Yeah. Lucy is. How old is Lucy? 27. Okay. Older yeah. sister. I swear so, last year I just died when I saw those two kids because they when I last saw them, they were children. Little kids. So it was I... unbelievable to see them on that field last year. My brain almost exploded, actually. It was so spectacular, and I'm not even their parents. Speaking of breeding. <laughs> oh, they, I'll tell you what, they're not all bloody beer and Skittles, you know. But he can't, Jim comes across pretty good, but he's not. There's some bits in there that aren't quite so far. They've been incredibly lucky, though. Like, you think of what, what the experience <laughs> they got when they went with you guys and you all gave them horses. I mean, they weren't even supposed to ride over in Canada and you guys gave them horses and they got to play chuckers and they've had the most amazing experiences since they were tiny. Like, Africa. You know, yeah. Mm. They both got to go to um, South Africa in 2010, you know, as juniors. And then, um, yeah, they had a you know, lifetime of experience. Luce went to England, England on a New South Wales exchange tour when she was 13. A child in top tears every night ringing back, you know, but oh. made her. Like, she's, yeah. Changed her. Mm. Yeah, I went on a tour to England when I was 15. New South Wales in 98 uh, in the Hunter Valley. Uh, Maitland went up to Coffs Harbour. Yeah, those experiences yeah. are pretty amazing. So uh, I'd love to get your opinion because I don't know if it's necessarily controversial, but the game has changed and I've, I've accepted that it's, it's become more of a racket forward game, parts of Australia even. But obviously you're on some of the top horses in the world and that sets you apart, I'm sure. I don't know what else you would attribute to, the, to your success other than that and maybe some tough competition. What do you think sure. about the racket forward game? I talked to Joy Poole and she said, well, the horses aren't going any faster because you should have seen some of the way, you know, as fast as the horses were going back in the day when I was playing, they can't really go any faster. I don't know. I just want to get your opinion. I mean, definitely the style has changed. We were really lucky in 2008. Our kids were lucky enough. I invited Bruce McClody to come out and, and coach at one of our junior clinics. Like every year, most years, we try and run a junior classic in Aubrey. Our club hosts it for juniors. And we invited Bruce to come out and coach. And he that year brought out three players and they played together 
um, and he coached kids and all the kids that were at the, at the tournament, he probably planted the seed in their mind then and there about the forward passing and moving the ball and saving your horses. And ultimately, if you look at it very simply, moving the ball around is saving your horsepower. If you learn to use your rackets well and save your horses, you will have more horse for what you need it for at the end of the day. And that's basically how we look at it. For me, the players make the horse and the horse make the players. It's an absolute partnership. There's a few things that we make sure that we can still play the short game. We can go back and play old style if we've got it in the conditions. And we're lucky down here. We probably play in a lot worse conditions what they do in the hunter. And so that, that makes us be able to play both the short and the long game. I think another thing that, that has really helped here is Jim's Aussie rules. So you'd be familiar with Aussie rules. A little bit. Well, Aussie rules is a game that you play for space and the ball gets moved forward quickly. And, and I can see some of the things that Jim does, because Jim's a real thinker about all this stuff. He, he lives, eats, breathes, sleeps it, loves it. The coaching that he had when he was sort of in that under 17s to 18s in that Australian rules thing was very intense. It was to see if you were good enough to go to the next level. I think that helped him a, a, an immense amount, a lot of burnout in that. But where I'm trying to go with this is that he's adapted that part of it to his game. So when, when Jim and Matt Davison play together, Matt Davison knows where Jim's going to be. And it's funny you should speak about Joy Poole. We spoke to her last weekend at the Stockholm meeting and she gave Jim a, a massive rap on that he's always where the ball's going to be, be delivered to. Like he's, he's always got some room and space. Don't want to blow his head up too much because that's pretty hard bring it down but, <laughs> but in, in, in saying that the space that he finds on the polycross field saves his horse so his horse is not getting buffeted around all the time he's already in space giving a free running which makes it a lot easier for it and um, me, for me it's a horse game you know played with a ball other people it's a ball game played with a horse but we just want to marry the two together and save the horse and have the horse do as much work as you need it to do to win the game and the other thing with the way that we used to train horses, like we're okay, really, I think. We used to do the old thing, you know, get out there and work them and play chuckers and, and do circles and get them rolling back on themselves and spend a lot of time doing that sort of stuff. The way that Jim and Lucy and Matt train horses is totally different to that. It's, it's not even in the same. It's, it's a lot of speed. It's a lot of that horse getting onto that ball, following the ball, following the ball swooping onto the ball, continuous play, continuous, they do it and they do it both ways on the arena and, and it's just totally different to how we've played animals 20 years ago. I think I know what you're talking about when we think about sort of the, the traditional quarter horse that's trained over here and they come to a sliding stop and they, they make these long lines and their head goes to the ground. That's totally different. What you're talking about and what Joy uh, talking about way back when, when I was at her, at her, at her place was that when you ch when you check your horse's feet are still moving and then they jump here and then they jump here like a cat and i think that's what you're sort of describing is that it's constant yeah. constant motion why you say that that's why ravis was so good ravis's front feet were so fast i've never sat on a horse that had that a front legs could move from there to there and if you only had to think to come back and she could come back but her, when you watch videos of her her hind legs mark time while she's doing that she, her feet never stop. I mean, I'm just trying to think of the, um, it's a style, but I, I like to not turn away a lot and do a, a full spin. 
I like to keep the horse looking downfield. Is that sort of something that you teach them is just how, how do you teach them to work their way down the field? You say there's a lot of chasing the ball, a lot of continuous. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of speed changes. So without technically stopping and turning, you're using a change of speed. So you accelerate, check, accelerate, check. We use a change of direction without necessarily yeah. stopping and turning and stopping and turning and stopping and turning, which takes a lot out of your horse. Like they get very tired doing that. It's like so, shifting into neutral almost, right? Absolutely. If you in a car, yeah. should shift into neutral. Cause kind of glide. Yeah. To go back to training the horses, we don't have any horses here that pull. Um, we don't have any horses here that pull. So if they pull, they really don't fit into our scheme of the game any, anymore. Our horses are trained without, if it was 10 years ago, there would have been on the truck eight horses, eight head checks. Sarah never rode in a head check because she's got good hands and... But we that's all changed and it's the breeding and it's the way we break them in and it's the way we train them to speed. And I remember the greatest player that I've ever seen play the game was Daryl. And, and we were talking about it one day and, and he said to me, you know, your horses don't pull. And I said, no, if they pull, we don't seem to have them. And he goes, yes, he said, it's a hard enough game to play without playing tug awards. So as you look at this, Leslie. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, Charlie Grills. Look who brought in the beer. <laughs> Good. You might want to listen to this. He's been talking a lot of trash about you. <laughs> yeah. You know. No, he said um, a great word. Don't worry. You know, sort of calling the princess. Um, he's got Katie now. We've we've got um, princess two princesses. three. Charlie's the top one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too old to be a princess. Um, oh, well, you have to be careful, Jimmy, because you're part of the actual formal um, breeding program now, so you'll have to be careful. <laughs> yeah. He's the, yeah. the, true, the true stud. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Try to make his face red. Try to embarrass him a little bit now. Won't happen. Won't no. happen. The training of the horses and how you do it, how... You do it different to what I, we do it. Um, we couldn't teach him very well, so he had to make up his own lines where you train horses now. That is not surprising. <laughs> is it having an electric bum, getting them going forward and not pulling and yeah. continuous movement? Yeah. We were talking about that. Yeah, 100%. And just the internet connections. Oh, still going, isn't it? You're right? Yeah, keep going. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, we can exactly. hear you. I'm all about, well, I only really teach mine to play polycross, so. Everything about mine is teaching them following the ball, teaching them to roll out the back and thinking for themselves. So once I get into a game, they know where the posts are, they know where the ball is, they know where they're travelling. So all I've got to worry about is catching the ball and scoring. It's pretty simple when he says a lot. Until you got Will running at you. <laughs> oh, I know the breeding has help that an, an, an immense amount but I also think that it's thinking outside the box like Jim and Lucy both think outside the box um, the way they play. And also now that we're starting to play on mares that are out of mares that we've played on you can see the similarity in the, in the traits that the mares play like their mothers um, which is very interesting. Now we had how long ago was that? 2016 when we retired Ravers we actually, just for fun, because we thought we'd, we'd sort of wanted to do it for a few years, but then, you know, it became time to retire her. So we put her in a team with five of her daughters that were all by different stallions and then played against another team that were six finnos and it was 11 all, I think, at the end of four chuckers. It was just fun. And, yeah, we just, like all these guys played and, and we got Will on a horse mm. and 
yeah, a few others, but it was just really good. And you can just see, you can see the traits of Ravers in all of her children. Like it's really quite cool. So Ravers has had how many foals? I think this year she will be having up to 46, maybe. Which also gives you a good hand when you're breaking in. Like you have two percussions come through this year, which you know you've had the battles three and four years before. So you've ah. got to have an idea of where the horse is going to go and what to expect and then how to get around it a little bit easier and quicker. So percussion's going back to that family I was talking to you about that, you know, the grandmother got got broken in three times and didn't really actually ever get her. So so you know inwardly that there's going to be that little bit of toughness there somewhere that you're going to get at some point, but then you've also got to harness that toughness for what you need it for at the end of the day. So, sometimes you feel like you're uh, Adolfo Cambiasso cloning horses, that they're just so similar? I think it's a great thing because you can, I mean, and the thing about it is we've got different horses. So the horse that Jim rides is different to the horse that Lucy rides is different to the horse that Charlie rides and certainly different to the one that I ride, but we actually breed from all of them. So there's different traits and lines in all of the families that we have. You know, you can just pick up something that's suitable mostly for different styles of polypros. And you know, you know how they go on about the sire, especially in the thoroughbred industry. We find that it's, it's more about the mother. There's a lot more in there. Leslie would understand that. Yeah. <laughs> good mother, good child, good, good mare, good foal. Have you met Steve? He's a good guy. He's a sweet yes, guy. I have. Yeah. yeah, you need to have another half. You can't do it by yourself. <laughs> Come on. I think the boy is perfect to spite me. How's that? <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> you have no idea how many times I've heard the word mom. I'm like, I'm trying to be normal. I just can't. <laughs> You're not embarrassing him. You're not doing something right. So Jimmy, what, what can you say about your sister? How is she different than you? That's a loaded question. That's a loaded question. <laughs> like in big games she plays well but like at practice if you if you take one off her or do something a bit um untoward you know the next one's coming and you throw <laughs> <laughs> so she she's your older sister so she's toughing you up a little bit yeah you'd have to think so i generally stay away from her <laughs> Help me work out how to score goals over the years. I've always yeah. said if, if I was going to have a punch up with either of them, I'd take Jim all day. Lucy would just cut you down. She would just punch <laughs> the ward shit to get you down. <laughs> she never cheats when you're playing against her. No, yeah, she's definitely the cheater. I'm, I'm... Oh, what a lady. <laughs> Jim changes the rules. That's yeah. what happens there. So then, you know, you can see there's a little bit of that angst going on. Are there any top left-handers in your family? <laughs> no, we're all bread. We're all bread right. Oh, it's not. It's not like up there in the up in Corindai with all those top left-handers. I'm a lefty. I'm a lefty three. So. You'll have to come over and try and get at your left hand then. <laughs> sort of cheating, right? If people aren't used to it. Yeah, look at Daryl. Lefties are good at cheating, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seem to be able to cover it up. A dangerous crowd here, Murph. You're running in and <laughs> Who's I talking to that it was all lefties? Oh, that was um Lauren in Zambia. All those women, all the African women are lefties for some reason. Oh Chapa was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That was something to watch for sure. You guys living at home? Jim and Luce both living at home? Are you on the ranch? Yeah, so 
like this is the big house on the top of the hill, mum and dad, and then Lucy's down the hill a little bit, and then there's Debbie in the other homestead, and then me and Katie down on the uh, on the river. We've built a new house, Leslie, since you were here. It's up on top of the hill. It's pretty cool. Nice. I'll to show you. Then I'll have to come all the way back again. Please do. It's a big house now. Lots of people can fit in. Both of you come. It was already like a hostel when I was there the first time. Now I've got the Canadian hostel. <laughs> ah, there you go. That's the way. Yeah, we'll call it the Barbarians Tour. We'll have the North Americans come down there and we'll resell you our, our Nikes and our, our uh, Wranglers. Uh, you'll be able to get them cheaper. Well, that's <laughs> fine. You bring them all over. Bring a team over. We'll horse you up and away we'll go. <laughs> uh, I see you're wearing the right shirt. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? Is that Denmark? <laughs> yeah, <little shit. laughs> yeah, I went hiking up in Calgary. Well, number one, I rode in the stampede. Did you all ride in the stampede? Okay. Of course. Didn't your no, butt get yeah. sore? Because I remember that. It, it never ended, that stampede. Yeah. It was painful. It was still going when we were. And then I went hiking. Uh, I was coaching up there one weekend, and I went hiking, had my bear spray. Did you guys get to the mountains at all when you were there? We did when we were in America. Okay. Yeah, we, in Wyoming. We went over with uh, a fellow called Barry Dyer. you remember him? 1990, we went to the U.S. National Championships when they were in Santa Monica. Santa Anita. Santa Anita. I'm not sure. Somewhere down there. And, Santa um, Fe, yeah, he, maybe Santa Fe, New Mexico, or is it? No, was it New Mexico? It was up the coast from Los Angeles. That's like the Fertile Crescent of Polo Cross or something. Yeah, yeah. it's moved since then. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we went over there, and, and he took us to Colorado, and we went yeah into the mountains there, which was unbelievable. Yeah. Did you go to Aspen. Was it Sopris Mountain? No. 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 We didn't, no we yeah, didn't. Durango. Durango. Durango yeah. 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 Did you ride it on the railroad, the Silverton Railroad? We didn't get to do that, no. no. We went way up into the Rocky Mountains and camped there overnight. Got scared because the noises were also different to in Australia. Couldn't sleep a thing, not a wink. No. Well, you don't have any predators there. You don't have bears and cougars. No. And... You're riding through these trees and the bear marks are as high as you on the tree. Yeah, the biggest thing you have to worry about is what, a, a rat or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. A koala bear, drop bears, drop bears. The You're big, drinking it. Yeah, the thing, biggest thing we're going to worry about. The Bundy bear. bear. Yeah, the Bundy yeah. bear. Have you seen the ad for the drop bears? No. Well, we need to get, get that to you. you. I'll get that to you. <laughs> another thing, we've got a video of that Ravers game. We need to send you the video of the Ravers game and the, the six finos against the six. Ravers, and you, you'll pick it up. You'll see it straight away. Mm. Of how those mares are very similar. Is that something you can send on Messenger, Sarah? Oh, I'll ask my IT girl Lucy about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, my IT boy is totally gone. He ran away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine's it's not for his birthday. He ran away. I'm like <laughs> IT free. At least you got yourself back. I would have just walked out. I'd, I'd have to leave. <laughs> when you lost me, but you can still hear us. Yeah, but see, I never stopped trying, and that's what it's all about, Charlie. I never stopped trying, and I think I fixed it. <laughs> yeah. so what's the rest of the day look like for you? The day of rest. Sunday, the day of rest. Yeah, no, we've got a few more. We've got a recent mare to scan and a mare to flush this afternoon. Actually, the mare that Lance Anderson rode in the Perth Nationals, a mare called Heather. So she's potentially 
going to give us an embryo this afternoon. And mm. Yeah, the NRL grand final's on this evening, so Jim will be making sure we finish nice and early. Is there a lot of yelling at the TV and swearing and stuff like that? Uh, usually, but the chooks are out, so I'm a bit, I'm a bit sour on it. <laughs> Jimmy's team is uh, not to make the final, so he's a bit upset. How close were they? They made the first semi. Yeah, second semi. So just missed out on the prelim. Yeah, this, this time of the year, because they've finished breaking in, they've got what, how many young horses in? Ah, uh, at the moment. Yeah. We just did 18. We're going to have about three each, so. So got 10, about, yeah, 10, about 12. 10 young ones in that they're sort of doing chuckles on every second day if they can get a ch- uh, chance to, plus the Friday night chuckles. And other than that, it's pretty much a lot of breeding and then cow breeding too because we've got to breed cows now. So we've got a, um, mm. 160 cows in an AI program for next week, which will be really busy. But you are getting yeah. some rain, so that's good. Oh, it's amazing Uh-oh. looking around out of- trying to find a paddock for hay. And yep. thinking they weren't good enough. This time last year, we were looking for paddocks. This year, you could just go into any one of them and think, right, we'll just cut this for hay. Down in uh, where you live, it, it, you just tend to get more moisture than the other parts of the country. Uh, yeah, we're on about a 38 inch rainfall here. We're not far from the Murray River, which seems to draw the fronts and draw the rain across, and we get the edge of it. So, yeah, traditionally, I suppose we get the fronts that come through from Western Australia, and the harder northern New South Wales, they get moisture off the top end. Can you see that photo? Yes. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's the polar crossfield yesterday morning. Does that drain pretty well, or does it? Is it red clay? Or no, it doesn't drain well at all. But we're about to cut it out and level it for move the sail here in not this year, the year after. It's currently still got a few ponds on it with an odd duck. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's sandy soil, so it's it's it'll be right to play Friday. So no black swans. I mean, I'm trying to. Um, it's an Aussie thing, right? We don't have black swans. We have white swans. <laughs> we that... don't have black swans down here either. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Yeah, they're more north and, and perp. So if you look at that one, you can possibly see the duck sitting in the middle of the field. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> A lot of horses drowned in water polo. It's not, not good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's happening with COVID? Can you even travel into Australia right now? I did hear a thing yesterday that our Prime Minister is hoping well he's not hoping he's saying that everywhere will be opened up by christmas except for western australia so hopefully that's correct i guess it all depends on on the spread look it's very minimal here presently like there's only coming up with i don't know two or three cases a day in new south wales victoria and queensland so there's not very much going on but um victoria's only just coming out of lockdown what do you think about america and the, the guy with that looks orange the big tent oh, we, we know the guy he's a he's a loompa <laughs> Our numbers are going like this, and he's saying it's going away, and there's yeah. no, you know, oh, it's terrible. Isn't, isn't it the case that if you don't test as many, you won't get as many? Isn't that what's happening in America? At uh, football games in certain states, Tennessee and Florida, they're not full capacity, but there's 12, 15,000 people not wearing masks, but their seats are 10 feet apart. So it's so, so silly. We're all about freedom. and You're not good at pandemics, Murph. I happen to be in a blue state. It's a little bit more democratic, a little bit, us, you know, we lock down a little bit better than other states. So last night they had the AFL grand final, which is, has only ever been held in Melbourne forever. And because Melbourne and Victoria was all locked down, they managed to do um, an arrangement with all of the teams could get to Queensland and they've played the entire season in Queensland. Mm. And they just held the AFL grand final last night with 30,000 people in the stands, which was, yeah, quite interesting. But, 
yet. Not nothing in Victoria yet. We're not yeah. doing it much in Canada. It's we're pretty not locked down, but people are scared. I'm not scared for getting sick, but scared for getting fines. So it's <laughs> different, yeah. right? So they are not holding football games and hockey games and all the games that we'd normally be holding. They aren't holding, and they've had. They just finished. Uh, finally finished like hockey when they did a hockey bubble where there's X number of teams and they're staying in one location. They play back forth, back forth. They're constantly tested, and then whoever wins wins, and they're chucked out of there. Yeah. Basically locked down. But it's easy in Canada because of the they live in igloo, so there's just I roll emoji now. <laughs> but we're not dying. To, we're not over two hundred thousand, Murphy. It's not my fault. <laughs> Jeez. You got to get rid of me. Fair income. <laughs> Fair income Agreed. is right. Fair income. <laughs> I've got a simple solution for him here. I just turn the television off every time he comes on. I, That's it, what I do. It's painful. It's <laughs> you don't. You don't look at his Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't even, I can't stand the look of him. <laughs> yeah, they were piping in sound at football games, just piping in just fake sound, crowd noise. Um, they actually had crowd noise from that, that same stadium from the year before, and they were just piping it into the stadium. So, so when you're watching the game, it looks like, you know, if, you, if they're not panning onto the, the crowd, it feels like you're, it's like a normal football game. The NBA was in a bubble in Disney World. So they, they were successful at having their playoffs. But, um, yeah, Jim, Jim watches all of that. Yeah. He yeah. loves LeBron. He loves LeBron. <laughs> Thanks, I was going to tell you other stories about Leslie, but we'll do it another time. Uh-oh. <laughs> hey, hey, I touched on a couple. Yeah. Beating yeah, around the bush. Touched on a couple. <laughs> yeah, you were Deadly. good, but he's got, he's got none. So he hasn't got any dirt on you, Leslie, so he can't say anything. He's just bullshitting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but what I happen- told him some of my innermost secrets. What happens <laughs> in Canada stays in- I was going to say, one of the other best mares, young mares I've ever ridden is that Twiggy that was in Canada, thoroughbred mare. It's the mother of your horse, Leslie. She, she yeah. had... Yeah, Charlie Grills. <laughs> Charlie. Charlie. Yeah, that mare yeah. had the extra. Charlie currently is standing outside in a snowbank and she looks like a circle. With four <laughs> toothpicks sticking out of it, she's so round. Have you got snow there now? Yes, it's god awful. It's horrible. We finally moved out onto an acreage, so now I have the back forty, and I'm going to build a ski drawing course. And then Charles is going to be running around. Either I'm riding or I'm skiing, but somebody's <laughs> running and jumping shit out in the back. So it's Charlie like doesn't know. Is it ultimate polo cross on skis? I'm trying to figure this out. Yeah. Yes. I have a friend who likes to snowboard. And so I know her, she wants her husband to come snowboarding behind. So Charlie's got her work cut out, of course. So I'm happy that she's fat and happy right now because that's going to be over fast. (laughs) Have you played her yet, Leslie? I didn't get to. She went off. I was taking her last September. I was taking her to the province over and she went off a little bit. And so I didn't bother taking her with. And then... She showed up this spring and nothing. I haven't been able to do anything. We haven't played hardly at all. Nothing. I think we played a little bit of a very closed game in August. Like we did almost nothing all summer. We've done nothing. I look at I look at your things on Facebook though. You very, very positive for Polo Cross in Canada. You 
buddy made a middle. Well, I'm I'm touring I'm touring around like a maniac, and yeah. then I found some other person who's like a closet polo crosser out west, and I'm going out there, and little does he know, I'm just rolling up with some horses, and he'll be horrified. He doesn't even know we're coming. That's it. That's the way. That's the way. That's how it should be. Good girl. Yeah, ten hours to the closest tournament for me. So. Yeah, yeah, we think it's we think it's tough when we have to do it like once a a year, you know, to head up to Warwick or something, which is I don't know, fourteen hours to Warwick for us. But um, especially That's when I stuffed in the boat, I had to come home in that. Yeah, in you that did. little sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> That's you put her in a swag and just rolled her up. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that way she could pee herself. She could pee herself, and then. The canvas would not leak. <laughs> and we couldn't hear her either. <laughs> All the whining. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> Come on, you don't say it that much. No. The good times, eh? Well, that's when you could put someone in the back. You can't do that anymore. I, when I was in New South Wales in 2000, that was the last time I played there. Well, yeah, there was electric tape, and you'd be trying to find your your camp at 2 a.m. and oh you can't see the orange tape at all so it's like a obstacle course <laughs> but you could see the white tape <laughs> you sure that's nothing to do with Bundaberg rum i, can I can't promise say you for it. sure <laughs> <laughs> well i can't <laughs> how do you get all those pens there all those panels we actually carry enough yards to think singly pen maybe 12 or 14 horses, but we have the trucking now to cart about 18. But we large pen our horses, so we put three and four mares in together um, rather than putting them all singly because we have a lot of trouble with the horses tying up and we found that if they're in groups, they're A, happier, and B, they keep each other moving around rather than just standing uh, maybe a bit sour in a pen and not eating. They just tend to be their herd animals and graze around and do stuff. So. Yeah, we don't have too much trouble. See you later. Jimmy's All right. Bye, Jimmy. So you a lot of room on the truck, that's for sure. So, Ryan, I was going to say before, now that he's gone, you need to talk to him. He's he's very open and got a lot of good ideas. And is a lot of it sports psychology? And no. He's done the personal trainers thing, I think, and that helps it a lot. But his attention to detail to get ready for big games, big matches, is second to no one that I know. It's it's more about his ideas of, of the game and how it works and meeting your opposition and what your strengths and weaknesses are of your players and their horses and, and the style of game that he wants to put on the paddock to combat that. Yeah, he's very, very glued into it. There has to be an element of being a good teammate and being positive. He never, never thinks no. that he's going to lose and he never thinks that any team that he supports is going to lose ever so that can be 20 goals down going into the last and he thinks there's still a way you can win and that's his mindset the whole time no, he's got, hasn't got a negative bone mm. in his body mm. so who who gave him that trait i think i gave him the competition part and i'd say the, the no negativity is comes from me yeah i always think there's always a way you can do something you can't just say it can't be done you just got to work the way through it to make it happen. I'll definitely get him on the podcast. That'd be awesome. He's got some things there that are good to listen to. He's also got a lot of rubbish you've got to weave through, but, you know, <laughs> sometimes, that's, sometimes that's worth it. <laughs> when, he, when they got beat in Africa, and that's why, we put, that's why we put so many horses together for the World Cup. There, that, 
him and Lucy came up with a plan if they got in the team of how they could and they changed their style of play and rode a lot of different horses the proof was in the pudding um, it'll be interesting to see what happens when they go back there next time well and they have been back over there playing those other horses yeah so Charlie question yeah. for you because I was there at one of those uh, at an IPC meeting in 2003 and Les Frazier had come into the meeting and said that no other country and this was at that point right because that was the very first world cup and he said no other country can possibly pr provide this level of horses and this quality of horses no other country can do that that was when they had first announced that it was going to be held somewhere else like when they were considering holding it somewhere else and they decided they would hold it again in australia because they had the horse horse like the horses available yeah. And when I sat, because when I was in 2019, for the same man, because I was at that meeting when he came in, and it was very spectacular and glamorous, and they cannot possibly provide this type of horses that we need for this competition. And then I sat having pizza at 2019 World Cup with him, and he said the level of horses at that last World Cup was second to none. He was so impressed for so... So for me to be sitting in that meeting in 2003 and to be sitting in 2019, listening to him talking about that prior World Cup and the quality of the horses, did you feel the same way? Did you think that those horses were exceptional as well? Absolutely. There were some very, very good horses. And, and, and you would have seen the same in Australia. There were some very good horses in the pools and there were some not so good ones. And it's a matter of how you manage them and how you utilize them. And that's going to be the case all over the world. And whichever country does it, as long as the horse pools are even, it doesn't even matter if they don't have the right amount of good ones or bad, as long as they're even, no one can ever go away from a World Cup saying, you know, they, it was unfair. I know that there was potentially a little bit of criticism, or I think there was potentially a little criticism because of the fact that Jim ended up riding one of his own horses um, and Lucy had another one that she was on that were young. That was, they could have ended up in someone else's pool. They, the idea of them preparing as many as they did was so that they had horses that they had prepared that they knew regardless of whatever team member was to ride them, they knew them and they had them prepared right. So it was, it was not about making sure we've got a horse in every pool that I can ride. It's a matter of making sure there's enough good horses there that whoever draws them gets them. And you can't expect people to put good horses into a pool if they're not allowed to ride them because there's no incentive for players to then provide the best horses for everybody. It's not just for themselves. It's for everybody if, if they put that, that stipulation on that you cannot ride them. Well, I think that was evident. That was evident at 2019, the quality of horses. So that creamy buckskin mare that Jim played up, we were worried about the buckskin mare if she got into somewhere else and got the wrong rider. She, she was very green, like she hadn't done a whole lot. She was one that we were worried about, we were worried about a couple of others. The black mare that Abbott had in our team, in, oh, in the Australian yeah. team, that was literally, she played, she played a warm-up game at Lake George, New Zealand, and played a couple of chuckers there, both with Australia and New Zealand, and then went to the World Cup. And that's all the polo cross she played. And I feel if she'd have ended up not in Australia and with another country, it may have been to her demise and we were very lucky. But she would have done a job for people, there's no doubt about it. But she was looked after really well because of, of how the team could use her. And they used her very well. Like They used her one goal, one game, chucker a game and she gave them everything that she had for that one chucker and it was great.
yeah, I think I think most of the horses at the World Cup are managed very well. Yeah, I think it's a credit to everybody, all the countries and all the players. Um, touching back on the high goal, Ryan, when we went to the World Cup in Africa, when was that? Fifteen. In fifteen. Sarah and I went back to the high goal last year and the quality of the horses in Africa oh, yeah. was amazing. The, the amount that they have come in such a short time, I, I, I was really impressed. Yeah, and we, we went over there in 2010 and the level from 2010 to 15 was great and then from 15 to 19 there's even more. It's really, really, standards are huge. Are, you got, are grills going back to 2023? Absolutely. <laughs> we'll be back. Good. Make sure you'd be there. <laughs> we I'm would have gone be... this year if they were allowed to go to the high goal. Well, number one, you have to be good enough. And number two, you have to be invited. So I haven't gone yet. <laughs> uh, oh, no, no. We, we go as a spectator and it's pretty cool. I know. Yeah, they, looked, they looked after us. They really looked after us last time. That's awesome. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait to go. At the World Cup watching it, then playing in it, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> And you, you can tell from 2003 to, like, every World Cup, not that we got to the one over in the UK, but the management of the teams and the way that the whole game has progressed dramatically, like, out of this world. Well, big cheers to you for providing that many horses, quality. I mean, there's no one that can even comes close, right? Where's Charlie's beer? Yeah, yeah it's empty. Oh, that goes so quickly. No, but cheers to you. Yeah, cheers. Seriously. There's probably no one as silly as us to do it, but, you know, it's just what you do, isn't it? <laughs> it seems like you're right on top of your game with breeding horses, breeding and raising children. <laughs> um, yeah, really good, high-quality ones. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, Leslie calls it the trifecta. It is. That's what I said. It's the trifecta. We have to have the grills. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you, Ron. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. I was, well, I was a little bit nervous about it, but I'm not mad. Good. It's hard to break your nerves without drinking a little bit. So it'll just be you and me, Charlie, talking about Leslie. We'll set one up later in the night. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. That sounds scary for me. Yeah. I'll go back to Bundaberg and then I will tell some lies. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You guys have a good evening. You too. You Thank too. you very Thanks. much. Be Cheers. safe. Bye, guys. You too, Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. It's amazing to hear about the size and scope of their livestock operation. Their success as parents and breeders seems to be a testament to hard work, a great attitude, and a willingness to change and adapt. I was so fortunate to be able to conduct this interview where many gems of knowledge were captured. Here on Chugga Talk, we appreciate your feedback. Have you enjoyed the show? Do you have questions or comments? Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. For a chance to be featured on the show, leave a voicemail by finding the Send Voicemail Sidebar button on PolacrossMadeSimple.com. For more Polacross coaching, go to PolacrossMadeSimple.com. You'll find ebooks on how to become a great player and even on how to become a great coach. Find me on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a good one.